0: Hi, good evening, everyone. Good evening. How has your week been? How many of you have had a good week? Can you say amen? amen? About 10 people had a good week. Okay, I don't know what about the rest of you, but uh, I, know I had a, a bad solter for 10 days uh, over the last weekend. Uh, by the time I preached half the service, this service, I remember my voice was changing. So I was wondering if there was still a voice Sunday morning and Sunday evening in Butterworth. But I managed. And, but, you know, it was still uh, sore. And so, but thank God, after 10 days on Tuesday, it went off. And I've been able to go and eat auze again, you know, <laughs> and eat curry again. It's, uh, it's hard to live in Penang without eating spicy food, you know. Uh, how many of you enjoyed the, the what, Hokkien meals now, right? I heard it was very good, but I cannot take anything spicy. Uh, When I'm preaching, right? I may not have voice. Okay. Yeah. So, who remembers what was last weekend's sermon topic or theme or scripture text? Any of you wave to me if you remember a little bit, just a little bit. Ayo. Okay. How many remember who preached last weekend? Okay, about seven people, <laughs> the rest of you, like, huh? Hey, who preached the last week, huh? Wow, our memory is getting very bad, huh? Well, I know you will forget, so I'm putting it up again for you. Let's say it one more time. Okay, on the screen. A life that fears and honors God is what? Blessed. This is Proverbs chapter 3, the first 12 verses. Now, Remember, uh, honor has to do with weight. That means giving somebody their due weight and respect. uh, I'm sure some of you remember what is the weight of Pastor Thomas. Okay. (laughs) Because I put him on the spot. Okay. Uh, And uh, to give God the proper weight is to give him what he deserves, which is the first and the best. Okay, and uh, Deuteronomy fourteen twenty three tells us that the whole purpose of the tithe was to teach us to fear God, to respect and honor God. And we don't do that if we give Him our leftovers, if we are haphazard, but only when we are intentional. Remember I showed you this, this budget, you know, for someone who honors and fears God. You know, the first 10%, you plan meticulously, you set it aside, You put it in an offering uh, envelope and you get ready so that you are ready on the first weekend of the month. And then after that, you set aside for savings another 10% and ask God to help you manage with His wisdom. All the rest on the other 80%, okay? Now, why do we do that? You know, when we meticulously we plan to give God our first and best, we are saying, God, you are actually worthy, you are great, you are awesome, and our faith will be will grow because we learn to see the awesomeness of God, and we see His blessings on our lives, right? And also it is an expression of trust because you know the, the, the verse says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. It means we are saying, God, I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. I'm going to acknowledge you in all my ways and you will direct my paths. Now, I know some of you will say, Yeah, it's easy to say, you know, look at this, right? It's very hard to work it out, uh, especially if you've never tried to really budget or to work out your expenses. And we know that, uh, especially for people who have uh, not much discipline or who need some help, uh, it's, it's all right. We have people who can help. Okay, And so for this, we are running the next round of Money Life, this season six, to help our people to manage personal finance. This is a biblical study. And since uh, you know, we have Yukti, our course leader, facilitator with us, I'm going to Just ask him a few questions. Let's welcome him. Okay. In case you are wondering, you know, yeah, what is this about? What am I going to learn? Okay. So, come. Just tell us what does this cover.
1: Um, I I want to do a little bit different. Go ahead. Go ahead. You're free. (laughs) I want to tell you, uh, you will discover a lot of things. Um, How do I get rid of my six hundred thousand debt within three years? Wow. And also, uh, right now we have three houses, we have a business, and so on. So a lot of people want to make more money, but somehow they not really have the right opportunity, mm-hmm. or I should say, don't have the right attitude. When you don't have the right attitude, it's going to be very difficult. So the Bible taught us many attitudes. I heard the preaching earlier on, it's all about us, you and me. How we can be more effective. So in the course, we have um, ten topics. How do you depend on the Lord? Mm. And then we also talk to uh, talk about how do you plan. Planning is about you need to know your season. Everyone has a period of time or the season. You need to. Uh, Really, really see the season so that you can do according to what the seasons, uh, the time frame given to you at a portion of the time. Then you be active and work on it. So you need to know how to plan for the next two years, three years, five years, what to do. Then after five years, what are you going to do because the seasons will change. Mm. We are talking about debt also, so I share with you the debt. Uh, we also talk about how to save. Basically, the people who come to the course, within three weeks, they will start to see saving. Everybody at the end of the course, uh, they will tell me story like, uh, Yogti, this year I have six month bonus, I have uh, increments. Mm. We started a course in KL about a month ago. We already have two candidates told us that told me that. Uh, I have increment. I have promotions, the Lord also gave me additional uh, funds for my, if I complete the year in this company. So a lot of stories, um, I have done this course 36 times, uh, so over the last five years, we also talk about investing. I think a lot of people want to know how to invest. Hmm. Uh, you will be literally given uh, 100 ringgit to invest. How to invest? If you want to know more, you can ask this gentleman, Wei Xiong here. <laughs> uh, and also some other hmm. students has done the course. Uh, one of the most interesting topics is the investing. We also talk about the attitude of you towards work, towards what is given to you, just like the five bags of gold, two bags of gold and one bag of gold. What kind of attitude are you? We also have um, generous living. Uh, we split this, co- this chapter into two. We uh, talk about how to receive the best thing from the Lord. What does it mean, the best thing? We also talk about how to give. Um, A lot of people know how to give, but when you come to the giving part, you will start to discover a different dimension of giving. Mm. Uh, Paying forward is how do you prepare for your next generations or the people around you? We also talk about what does it mean the true riches? And also, when you finish a course, what are you going to do? We also have celebrations. I think a lot of some of you already participated in the Mm. Um, uh, celebrations, you ha- you can see a lot of joy. Most people who come to the course has a big impact and they change. Suddenly mm. they become company leaders very quickly. Uh, when I first joined the, uh, the study, I thought I knew it all here. But my action is very poor. Uh, Crown has an assessment as well, when you come, there is an assessment to measure your belief system and your action, Hmm. your behaviour. So your belief and your behaviour usually are very different. Some people know, but they don't know what they are doing. Some people know, but they never do anything. Some people do it, but they don't know why they are doing it, so they learn from one another. A lot of times we thought that this is the best thing to do, but it ended up doing the wrong thing. It, and we need to do some adjustment in the attitude. What are the uh, What is the Bible talking to us? So when the Bible starts to talk to us on certain things, you will change. Just like I, when the course, everybody needs to track. Tracking is something that... Uh, um, I think a lot of people has done it as well but it's not effective so we'll teach you how to track effectively only when you track effectively you will be able to do the budget i was just sharing with uh, Mayu just now most people can't do the budget because their budget is always wrong right i believe a lot of you has that experience so we're going to teach you how to track and understand your behavior then you change from there, and when you start to do your budget, your budget will be very accurate. So this is all about money life. Wow, fantastic.
0: Okay, so what ages uh, can attend?
1: We have people from, you know, uh, from PCC, uh, we have 19 uh, mark, and uh, 19 years old, old, uh, uh, still in the school, we also have people who are 16, 14s. We did a uh, sometimes because I'm from KL. Sometimes we do video conferencing, so they are they are they are doing it at home with me. And uh, May and uh, the uh, Butterworth uh, leaders, uh, they were doing the conferencing with me, and their children was actually literally uh, listen to what their oh. parents are doing the homework. Okay. And the children are helping the parents to track. You have not tracked this, you have not tracked that. Tracking
0: their spending.
1: After a while, mm-hmm. the children themselves mm-hmm. refuse to spend certain money because mm-hmm. it's expensive. They started to realize the value of the money. Ah. So the cost is, the impact is not just to yourself, it's actually to the family as well. Fantastic. We have also 77 years old, 72 years old people attend. Uh, I'm not sure whether this time we can get an 80s. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we look forward to uh,
0: yeah. this. And you can take up the 20, 30 at one time. We,
1: we can to. take, um, if you think you already know quite a bit of things, I will encourage you to come also because your value experience will actually help a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I first started, I also don't know, but a lot of calls I do. So when I started doing, the Lord sent a lot of people to come and help me in the course. And that's how we learned. So the more, the more, I wouldn't say issue, the more requests, uh, uh, the more things that disturb you, hmm. you should bring it forward and then we discuss and we pray about it. And you see how the Lord deal with it. We have people even have 3 million debts come to the course. Uh, after the course, two weeks later, the three million step clear. So that's how it works. Hmm. Okay. Wow, that sounds good. So, the course is going to start in end of this month. Hmm. Uh, we don't have much time uh, because I only have this season of time to come. So I told um, Mayu, if we can do it quickly, it will be good because towards the later parts of the year, I have other activities in KL that I have to do as well. So, um, it's 200 ringgit, 12 lesson. Mm. seems like a lot. Uh, supposed to be only 10 lessons, but I do it 12 lessons because there are a lot of issues that we need to deal with. And 12 weeks is good to give you a good new behavior. Mm. If you do it only 2 weeks, 3 weeks, 4 weeks, you, you don't have a new behavior yet. So, what you know, you may not do. Yep. Good. Thanks
0: for investing time.
1: Yeah, yeah let's you. give him
0: a hand. And you can sign up in the counter. You have only two weeks before we are starting the season number six. right? Crown resources are absolutely great. Uh, very scriptural as well. And we hope that uh, you will take advantage of this season. Okay? Well, why are we doing all this? Because we believe that a life that fears and honors God will be what? Come on, is blessed. That's right. And the blessing is not just for us, by the way. It is so that, you know, we can see the blessing overflow to the people around us, you know. As, as I said, you know, 10% of our tithes goes to a local mission fund. And we thank God for the reports we hear every now and then. This guy by the name of uh, Ram Narayan, Chowdhury is from the Taru tribe and he was a member of PCC Raja Uda Sangati, right? PCC on Budweb's side. Recently, he went back and found himself as the first Christian in a village of 300 homes. and He wants to start a home fellowship. Let's give God a hand, amen. (laughs) Praise God! So, the blessing is not only overflowing to the people whom God brings to Penang, but is following them back to their home country. Another guy who was with uh, FGA Pray Sangrati is also uh, has gone back and he's uh, you know selling vegetables and he wants to plant a church there as well. Now all this is something that we do not only here but we do outside of Penang in their home countries. The map will show you where our promise uh, budget goes to the white sheet of paper that you receive, okay, shows that it goes to China, Nepal, Thailand uh, out to Sarawak and Vietnam, okay and then it also goes to training of workers, not only locally but also in uh, southwest China last week I told you the, the amazing story of how God protects you know, the school there Philippines and in the Sabah, besides the Karazan people, the Mika Center, which we are now partnering with from the next month onwards, is to train young people from Chinese-speaking backgrounds. Ten months, learn other cultures, serve the poor. And also, uh, in Relief Works, the third category, we are investing not only locally, but in South Thailand. Last week, we told you how This amazing family from Philippines has been there 20 over years and they're seeing people come to Christ though very quietly, you know, underground and so on, right? So when you receive the blessing of God and you not only tithe but you invest in missions, faith, promise, all all of it goes outside of our country to all these places, okay? A life that fears and honors God is... More. Well, let's all say it one more time: a life that fears and honors God is blessed. Now, this, this this idea of fearing and honoring God is found in many places in the Bible. Right from the very first book of the Bible, which is called Genesis, it's we call it the seed plot of the Bible. You know, this is where many of the foundational teaching and uh, doctrines is found in seed form and it grows throughout the rest of the scriptures like creation sin and atonement depravity and god's grace sovereignty and human responsibility and many of the great questions are answered there i was a teenager when i asked the question where did i come from i knew i didn't come from the monkeys so where did i come from genesis says god created man in his own image i ask the question why am i here what am i doing on earth and genesis tells us that god put us here to have a relationship with him so there are many amazing firsts in genesis the first mention of marriage family uh, labor civilization race language cultures and cities and today as we read our text, you know. I want you to look for a few other first things that are mentioned. So, would you stand with me now? And let's read out loud the Word of God. Are you ready? Have you practiced your voice? If you sung just now, your voice is warmed up. So, you're ready. Let's go. Now, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock. And of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. But he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And his desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you speak to us now powerfully through your word, that your word will challenge us, convict us, comfort us, encourage us, so that we may walk in your ways and we may glorify you. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen? Thank you. Please be seated. All right. So, what are the first things you, met, you notice in this passage? First time you see somebody cultivate the ground and sometime, first time you see someone raising animals. Okay. This is the first. And now, of course... Uh, Besides that, what do you see? You see also a man and a woman entering into sexual union. You see conception. You see childbirth. And you see Eve exclaiming, I have acquired a man from the Lord. By the way, Cain, the name Cain means acquired. You know, acquired. Imagine your mother giving you the name. What's your name? Acquired. Your friend asks you, what's your name? Acquired. <laughs> How come? Because my mother acquired me from God, you know? <laughs> right? It's a funny name, but it simply declares the truth that life is a gift from the Lord. Can okay, you say amen? You know, even with all the modern medical science, you know, uh, where we can help, you know, uh, people to conceive, uh, women to conceive, it still doesn't happen automatically. We still need to recognize, you know, Even the ability to do so comes from the Lord, right? So Eve knew that this is a gift from the Lord. And now we have the first mention, not only of agriculture and running animals, but very importantly, this is the first time you see someone come to worship God. And we see how they worship God. God, the first mention of offering is in the context of worship. Let's look at the verse again. It says, in the process of time, came to pass that Cain brought and what? Offering, okay? And then it tells us that the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. Offering. So, this is the first mention of offering. And it is in the context of worship. Obviously, what is worship? Worship is the act of ascribing honor and majesty to God, our Creator. He is he's saying, God, you alone deserves honor, the highest honor, because you are majesty. There's no one like you. You are the awesome God. As I was preaching in the 5.30 service while I was saying this, you know, God confirmed it. We heard the rumbling very loud, okay? (laughs) We are reminded, hey, don't play, play. uh." (laughs) We serve an awesome God. And this is central to God's people. To worship Him is part of our lives. Can I say amen? So both of them brought something to worship God and uh, I, we don't know how it looked like, but here's an artist's impression. Okay? You can see who is Abel, who is Cain, by what they carry in their hands. And it says that the Lord was pleased with Abel's sacrifice, but he wasn't pleased with Cain's. And the, the word in Hebrew is Sha'a, respect means Sha'a, and it simply means this that uh, God looked upon or paid attention To Abel's offering. He didn't pay attention to Cain's offering. Why is the difference there? Why is it that God paid attention or respected one of the offerings and he didn't do so for the other? Now we know the consequences were very severe as as you go to the end of That story. Now, of course, we can speculate and think. You know, maybe it's because Abel's offering had, you know, was an animal with blood in it, and we know that you know, blood was part of the sacrifices later. uh, Animals were sacrificed, but uh, this is not the only interpretation. In fact, it's not likely because you know what he what Cain brought was the same kind of offering that God commanded His people to bring in worship, Leviticus chapter 2. You find all the grain, you know, and, uh, and oil and so on, right? So the fruit of the ground. In fact, Cain was doing the same thing his father did. His father was someone who tended the garden. In fact, God gave Adam the occupation to tend the garden of Eden. And, you know, cain followed the tradition of the father you know like like father like son kind of thing okay so we can be sure that god didn't reject cain's offering simply because he was a farmer who brought you know the produce from the ground okay because that's what he he would bring that's his, his income so to speak right and the only explanation that we can find is when we compare the description of the two brothers' offering, and when you look at the description, you can see there is a very big difference. Okay, it says that uh, Abel brought the firstborn and their fat, but Cain only brought an offering of the fruit. Of the ground. There's no description. There's no qualifier, no adjective, you know, as to what kind of fruit. Are you with me? So, we can look at a comparison and we can make a good guess that the quality of the offering was obviously very different. And it says that Abel brought the firstborn and of they are fat. Now, the word fat there actually means the best part. Okay? Now, I know some of you, when you eat the meat, you like the best part, especially when you eat siobak. Huh? What's the best part? Huh? The crispy skin, right? Which is basically the fat, okay? The fat part tastes good, <laughs> right? And uh, this is a very ancient understanding uh, uh, that if, you know, your VIP come and visit you, you give them the best part. As a result, you know, even in some ancient cultures, uh, when we go for a mission trip, uh, they will serve the VIP, you know, the fat, <laughs> the fat part of the meat, you know. And if you refuse, it's very bad, you know. So, uh, but that's the understanding, you know. The fat is the best part, and that's what Abel brought, Okay he offered to God the best which is the fat and the first of his flock now he understood instinctively that God deserves our first and best can you say amen well let's all say it together God deserves our first and best and you know Abel offered that okay but there's no mention of the quality of Cain's offering so the two types of offering, or the quality of the two offerings, the difference in quality, actually reveals the attitude of the givers. And this is true. My attitude towards money and how I handle money actually reflects my attitude towards God. Money is a spiritual thing, really. It reveals the condition of our hearts. So when we want to give God our first and best, you know, we cannot do it haphazardly. We cannot... You know, wait until we come to the service and then, you know, the usher comes around with the bag and then we open up our wallet and then we, we look for the appropriate note, which for some people is the smallest note. For other people, it's a middle note. For some people, it's like, yeah, I want to give God, you know, the best, but sorry, all small notes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and not prepared. You, you cannot honor God with the first and best if you do not prepare yourself. You're not intentional about it, right? So that's why we need to plan carefully. As I said, you know, we need to do the budget, right? And we need to put it into a monthly budget and say, Lord, okay, the first and best belongs to you. We bring an envelope home and we say, God, I'm getting ready. And uh, we write our name and the amount on the tithe portion and then we get ready so that when we receive our salary, we immediately fill it in and we are ready with the first week of the month to come and honor God with the first and best and this is what we see, the attitude that we see in Abel, he had to go among his flock and look for the first and the best, he found the the chubbiest (laughs) you know, (laughs) animal so to speak, not the skinny one, alright, and you know, this is important, you see what is the income of a, of a vegetable farmer? It's the vegetables that grow up, right? The harvest time. And he can harvest, you know, many times a year, depending on the kind of crop. But what is the income of a rancher? Someone who raises animals. Huh? What's the income? It is the animals that are born. The new calves that are born, right? Every year. And, you know, there's a, there's a season. Every year, there's only one time except if you rare rabbits, it's different, right? <laughs> Most animals, farm animals, one time a year, right? They will be on heat, they, they will mate, and then months later, they will give birth to newborn, right? So that is the pay time, you know, that's when he, the farmer gets his pay. And so let's say this here is uh, somebody, you know, a farmer who, who wants to honour God with the first and best, and he... And he f- has the first few animals born and he looks at it and says, wow, this looks good. You know, this is chubby, this is healthy. And he takes two of those animals and he brings it and he sacrifices it and he gives it to God, right? So to speak. Now, what if on that year only 10 are born? He's already given two. Say, wow, I've given 20%, man. That's a so lot. I only plan to give 10%. What if that year there were only five born? Only five. He would have given 40%. Right? So if he wanted to calculate, wanted to make sure, you know, I, I'm honoring God with the first and best, but I don't want to overdo it. I don't want to give more than 10%. What would he do? He will wait until the end of the calving season. Then he count, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 9, 18, 19, 20. Oh, exactly. Two out of 20. I'll choose the two best ones, but it is two out of 20 to make sure. Okay. Right. So that's the attitude uh, of the farmer. And in, in the case of, of uh, Abel, you know, we, we see him really you know, looking for the first and the best But we don't see this attitude in Cain, which was almost like an afterthought. It's like, you know, he saw his brother going to give something, and then he walked by his field, and then he plucked some vegetables, you know, and he just went and gave whatever he could find. So, obviously, there was a difference in their attitude. And what we see is this, Abel's heart was in his offering, but Cain's heart was not in his offering. And you could see it from the quality of the offering our outward actions generally reveal the inward intentions of our heart and even though you and i cannot see their hearts and we cannot see one another's hearts but you know what god can see our hearts can you say amen amen god sees god knows exactly what's going on in our hearts And in worship we actually declare with our mouths that god alone is majestic he is the only one worthy of the highest honor he deserves the the first and best but the question is do we manage our finances that he entrusted to us and do we give in such a way that says the same thing do our Mouth say, God, you're worthy of the first and best. But then our practice says, actually, God, leftovers are fine for you. Hmm? And in the pressure of life and the pressure to pay all the bills and also to make sure we look good to other people, sometimes we are tempted to take care of everything else first and then Finally, we bring God whatever is left over of our time, of our energy, of our finances. And this is not the way to honour God. So, this is a very short passage, but you, you think, you know, is that all we can see about, is that all we can understand about what happened in the very first instance of two brothers coming to worship God? Well, there is some help. Because Hebrews chapter 11 verse 4 comments on what happened in this Genesis 4 story. It says, By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. Now, I want you to know that not only was his heart in his offering, but his faith was involved. Are you with me? Hello? Remember last week, I said that, you know, when we give God our first and best, we actually magnify God and then we activate our faith. We trigger our faith. Are you with me? Right. That means we are saying, God, you are, you are great, you are worthy. Now I see you as you really are. And now I know I can trust you for everything. So our faith is triggered. And you know what? This is what happened to Abel. His offering and his faith went together. His offering was an expression of his faith in God. And that was what pleased God. It wasn't just the offering. It was the fact that he was exercising His trust in God. And it says that God spoke well of his offerings and by faith, Abel still speaks even though he's dead. Now, how many thousands of years has it been since Abel died? And his offering is still speaking to us. He has a legacy that outlived his life. Now, this is amazing, you know. Thousands of years. Right? Today we don't remember anything more than one day. Okay? I asked you how many remember last week's sermon? Almost none. <laughs> if I asked you the next day, maybe even half of you will say, I don't know. I forgot. <laughs> Who preached? Oh, Pastor Isaac preached. Really? <laughs> okay. You know, our memories are so short because we are bombarded and overloaded with all kinds of information. Isn't it amazing that three that Thousands of years later, this man's faith and his offering is still speaking to you and I even today. Amen? Why? Because his faith was such that he trusted God enough to give God his first and his best. That is a kind of faith that leaves a legacy. Are you with me? Come on, amen? And that was merely his response to the goodness of God. You know, I don't think God commanded and said, all right, this is the offering you you have to bring. You know, it was like that overflow from his heart. And, you know, the the people of God expressed this very nicely, better than you and I can, can say. Psalm 116, in this worship psalm, verse 12, 17, 18, this is what the psalmist asked. What shall I return to the Lord for all His goodness to me? Now, how many have experienced the goodness of God before? Come on, wave to me. Many, many times you experienced God's goodness. All right. Have you ever exclaimed like that before? Have you said, what shall I return to the Lord for all His goodness to me? Or, or did we more or less say, where shall I spend the money now? <laughs> huh? Shall I go and buy this or, you know, do that? I will sacrifice a thank offering to you and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all His people. So, true biblical worship that is pleasing to God can never be half-hearted, really. When you look at the example of Abel and the people of God who lived before us, you say this is Old Testament, Pastor Isaac. What about New Testament? What does the New Testament say about this kind of worship? Huh? That your heart has to be in it. Well, Romans 12 1, this is a very well known verse. Therefore, I urge you, Paul says, Brothers and sisters, in view of God's what? How many of you experienced God's mercy before? Say amen. 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 You know, next week we are celebrating God's mercy remembering Jesus' death on the cross on our behalf and His resurrection. All this is God's mercy. So in view of God's mercy, what did Paul say? Offer your credit card to God. Offer your car. Offer your house. What did he say? Offer your what? Offer your what? Your bodies. Yo, that's very costly, man. Because if I, off, if I give one card, I can still have another card. If I, if I empty one bank account, I still might have another bank account, right? If I, offer, if I give a house, I may have another house. But if I offer my body, okay, what's left? Nothing left, right? So this is all or nothing kind of worship. This is not half-hearted worship that we are commanded to do, even in the New Testament, okay? Okay. And so, they are, as, as I round this up, okay, this is not going to be a long sermon. There are two fundamental, foundational truths in the fourth chapter. We will, we will kind of like come back to it as we close. All right? let's read out those two truths. Number one, life is a gift from the Lord. You know? if, if, if not for God's gift, you and I won't be sitting here even. You know? We will not exist. Okay? Or we will We'd be somebody, somewhere else, you know, needing a lot of care. But the fact that, you know, we are here, we are enjoying life is a gift from God. All right? number two, worship is a gift to the Lord. This passage is about worship. But unfortunate thing is that sin had already come into the world, into the human race. And sin distorts both of these fundamental truths, okay? You can see Cain, he devalued worship. You know, he just kind of like, just gave some fruit as worship. And as a result later, he also devalued life. Okay, as you know, he killed his brother. Cain did not acknowledge these truths. He failed to appreciate God's gift of life and he devalued it. He failed to appreciate the gift of worship and he diminished it. So, what application can we take home? You see, when we appreciate Life as a gift from God, it should cause us to worship Him with our lives. Can you say Amen? That's the natural response of gratitude for the gift of life, saying, God, I worship you. But worship is only meaningful, next slide, when we declare that God is worthy by giving Him our first. And best in our time, in our talents and finances. Worship is only meaningful when we make this declaration and this is what we do as we declare, giving Him our first and best. And you know, at every stage of our life, at every season of our life, God deserves our first and best. Can you say amen? Is there any season where God deserves less? You know, like God, uh, yeah. Please understand, uh, this season very hard. Uh. I'm in a difficult season. i a busy season. You know, I'm in a season where uh, yo, my hair is being pulled out. You know, I have children. You know, running around my feet. You know, or huh? uh, I'm in a season now when uh, when I have to I have, I have to deal with so many problems. La. my 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 parents are old, and I have to look after them. I wait till all this is over first, then. You know, I will give you my first and best. No, actually, in every season of our lives, God deserves our first and best. Whether you are a young person or whether you're a young adult or adult or, or you have young children or whether you are a senior or retired, at every stage in our life, God deserves our best. Can you say amen? So it's a fallacy for any of God's people to say, you know, when I reach this next stage of life, when I pass through this very difficult, busy, demanding season and I'm at the next stage of life and I can breathe a bit more, ah, then I will time, I will use my my talents to serve God. I'll give my time, you know. I want to tell you that stage will never come. (laughs) you'll always be waiting for the perfect stage to come. It will never come. Because it's never meant to be that way. At every stage in our life, God still deserves our first and best. Can I hear a loud amen? And it's not biblical to think this way either. Pastor, I have passed the stage. (laughs) I, used, I, I, I did my part, I, I was busy, I was serving God, you know, in, in church and in, I volunteered in so many things, you know, now I've, let, let, I've done my part, let other people do their part now, let the younger people do their part, now is their turn. I tell you that is not biblical thinking, because even if you now have come to the retirement stage, huh, that's the best time to give your best Okay. You may retire from paid work, but we never retire from serving God. Can you hear a good amen? Amen. About 50 people believe. The rest of you like, Pastor, let me retire. Lah. <laughs> it's not biblical. There is no retirement age from serving God as far as God's truth is concerned. Now, I want to close with this uh, short video where John Piper spoke to 40,000 young college students outdoor in the year 2000. This message is very relevant for every age group because 19 years now passed, many of those people who were there can tell that their lives were impacted powerfully, that it changed the course of their life. And some of their parents were impacted. And now those who got married, their children. And so this seven minutes has a great powerful impact. And I want you to to look at what he said about the life that is lived in a way that is not what the world tells us. Go ahead. It's a bit
2: grainy, but we can see. You don't have to know a lot of things in order to make a huge difference for the Lord in the world. But you do need to know a few things that are great and be willing to live for them and die for them. People that make a difference in the world are not people who have mastered a lot of things. They are people who have been mastered by a very few things that are very, very great. If you want your life to count, you don't have to have a high IQ and you don't have to have a high EQ. You don't have to be smart, you don't have to have good looks, you don't have to be from a good family or from a good school, you just have to know a few basic, simple, glorious, majestic, obvious, unchanging, eternal things and be gripped by them and be willing to lay down your life for them, which is why anybody in this crowd can make a worldwide difference, because it isn't you, it's what you're gripped with. But one of the really sad things about this moment right now is that there are hundreds of you in this crowd who do not want your life to make a difference. All you want is to be liked. Maybe finish school, get a good job, find a husband or a wife, a nice house, a nice car, long weekends, good vacations grow old, healthy, have a fun retirement, die easy, no hell, (laughs) and that's all you want. You don't give a rip whether your life counts on this earth for eternity. That's a tragedy in the making. That is a tragedy in the making. About three weeks ago, we got news at our church that Ruby Eliason and Laura Edwards were killed in Cameroon. Ruby Eliasson, over 80, single all her life, a nurse, poured her life out for one thing, to make Jesus Christ known among the sick and the poor in the hardest and most unreached places. Laura Edwards, a medical doctor in the Twin Cities and then in retirement, partnering up with Ruby, also pushing 80, and going from village to village in Cameroon. And the brakes give way. Over a cliff they go, and they're dead instantly. And I asked my people, is this a tragedy? Two women in their 80s, almost, a, a whole life devoted to one idea, Jesus Christ magnified, Among the poor and the sick, in the hardest places, and 20 years after most of their American counterparts had begun to throw their lives away on trivialities in Florida and New Mexico, fly into eternity with a death in a moment. Is this a tragedy? I asked. It is not a tragedy. I'll read you what a tragedy is. I've got a little article here from Reader's Digest. You don't read Reader's Digest. I know that. But there is a generation who does. This is a tragedy. Title of the article, Start Now, Retire Early, February 1998. Bob and Penny took early retirement from their jobs in the Northeast five years ago when he was 59 and she was 51. Now they live in Punta Gorda, Florida, where they cruise on their 30-foot trawler, play softball, and collect shells. That's a tragedy. That's a tragedy. And there are people in this country that are spending billions of dollars to get you to buy it. And I get 40 minutes to plead with you, don't buy it. With all my heart, I plead with you, don't buy that dream. The American dream. A nice house. A nice car. A nice job. A nice family. A nice retirement. Collecting shells. As the last chapter. Before you stand before the creator of the universe. To give an account with what you did. Here it is Lord. My Shell collection. Look, Lord, my shell collection. And I've got a good swing. And look at my boat. God, look at my boat, God. Well, not for Ruby and not for Laura. Don't waste your life, don't waste it.
0: This is hard hitting, and I know it refers to people in different stages of life. Don't waste your life. Don't follow the culture of the day that says, you know, retirement is the ultimate goal. Because retirement from serving in God's kingdom is not a biblical idea. We can either live for ourselves or we can live for God and His kingdom. And so, there are some of us here in our 50s and 60s, reasonably healthy. This is the prime of life. Don't waste it on just taking it easy. Don't take the rich lessons of faith and experience in life to the grave before you pass it on to somebody else beyond your own immediate family. Do something that will make a difference because it will be a tragedy if we come to the end of our lives and all we have to show is what we have accomplished for ourselves instead of what we have accomplished for the kingdom of God. So, wrapping up one more time. Life Is a gift from the Lord and worship is a gift to the Lord Abel's life was a gift from the Lord and Abel's worship was a gift to the Lord and God was so pleased with his worship because he honored God with his first and best and because of that, his life and his worship is still speaking to you and me today that it's not a wasted life. You say, yeah, you know, he was killed by his brother, but no, it, it's not a wasted life because a life that fears and honors God is always blessed. Can I say amen? So as we come to a close, I challenge you, simple application, if you have not done this yet or before, take an envelope home, prepare yourself to give God your first and best and then as he blesses us with more than what we need, then let's go beyond that to the mission's faith promise as of last uh, weekend we have about what 90 people that have you know signed up for this right? and we definitely we, we can have a lot more people do so, so that we can partner with God in making the gospel known to people who are far away and who have not heard the name of Jesus. So, as the worship team comes, we're going to close with this. Right? And I know some of us are already doing that, but what about our time and our talents? You know? It's our time that we can give that really counts. For some of us, that's what we can give more than others and God will use that so let's stand together on our feet and as we now come to a close and let's just ask God Lord you have spoken to my heart what kind of response would please you let's bow in God's presence and if today as we bow in God's presence you feel God's pulling at your heart to respond and if your response whatever your response is whether to give God your first and best in terms of your tithe or to go beyond your tithe to go into missions giving together with your church so that the name of Jesus will be proclaimed to the nations or whether it is to go beyond that to give your time in service to your brothers and sisters and to people outside the church as well whatever it is would you say yes Lord Lord, thank you for speaking to my heart. Wherever you are, you tell God. Tell it to God because this is between you and God. And I'm going to pray for you in a moment. As you tell God, Lord, thank you, thank you. What, What will I offer to the Lord for all the benefits, for all his goodness to me, as the psalmist says. And this is truly a response of gratitude to God. It's not one that we do out of guilt one of gratitude. So whatever commitment you have made to the Lord, whatever you have told the Lord, I'm going to pray for you. If you want to receive this prayer, just put your hand in your heart right now as we pray. Father, Father, right now, as we put our hands on our heart, we are saying, Oh God, we want to honour you. We want to fear and honour you with our first and best. But we know that that's the best way to live. And we pray, Father, that as you have spoken to us, we will carry through our response, whether it is to time, whether it is to sow in the missions, faith promise, whether it is to give our time, our talents, our energy. Lord, as we have made that commitment to you, personally, one-to-one, give us the strength, Lord, to carry it out when we step out of this place so that we will live the kind of life that will truly honour you with our first and best so that our lives will have a lasting legacy of faith that will influence the next generation long after we are gone and declare to them that you alone are worthy of our first and best because you gave us your first and best. Thank you for all this. In Jesus' name, amen.